welcome back everyone it's another episode of the back peg myself and Laz are here to bring you all the big stories from the week both on and off the field and straight off the bat thanks everyone for checking out our centenary not our centenary our one year anniversary <laughs> show our centenary is coming hey, up I'm old but not that old <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, just about to say this feels right this is up late yes this is up late. Yeah, our and, traditional uh, time slot of recording. Yes. <laughs> we had a we had a nice gift last week, <laughs> recording at a decent time. Now mm. it's back to normality. Mm. And mm. yes, as I, as I say, our centenary is coming up next month. But um, mm. Les, it's been a big week of football. Nathan, hey, no, Nathan, pleasure to join you on the back peg, and hello to everyone listening. Um, yeah, been a big week, all right, that's for sure. Been a massive week as far as the football action is concerned. And uh, drama off the field as well, and controversy. So yeah, it's been a been a, a big week, mixed bag from a results perspective, uh, especially in the Champions League. But um, yeah, which we'll come on to. We, oh, forget that. <laughs> but um, I mean, you, I think your club's going to get a few mentions this episode. Which one? The black and white one. Mm. The skunks. Oh, hey, excuse me, magpies, thank you very much. I will not that's, that's what that. Barry always calls it, the scouts. Oh, well, for those who don't know Barry, Barry is uh, from British Football Watch and he's a Sutherland supporter, so his opinion doesn't matter. But there you go. I love you, Barry. But, um, yes, uh, yeah, there have been a few happenings around the place with regards to Newcastle United, and I, I guess you want to talk about Sonali straight off the bat, don't you? Uh, I think straight off the bat, we probably should mention the biggest story of the week, in my eyes anyway, which is right. Sir S- S- Charlton passing. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Jeez, it's been a big week, hasn't it? That it has been a big week. Last weekend, after we, yeah, after yep. we recorded. And, um, in the early hours of Sunday morning, mm-hmm. Sydney time, the mm-hmm. greatest English player to have ever kicked the ball. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. Perhaps the greatest British player to have ever kicked the ball. I don't know. I'm not off... I'm offering that up as a potential debate question, but uh, yes. off the top of the topic, we should say Sir Bobby Charlton lived a life like a movie, coming yep. through the United System, being mm. a part of the 1958 Munich air disaster, mm. seeing a lot of his friends and teammates perish, picking himself up yep. and the club, mm. carrying that on to a 1968 European Cup win with the 1966 England World Cup along the way as well. And yep. it's a remarkable story, so I'll be Charlton, what he's been able to achieve in the game and his influence on football is far-reaching. Also played football down here in this part of the world. Yes, he did. For a finished his career. Yeah, finished mm. his career with Blacktown City Demons. Yeah, and it's uh, something that I think has been coming for a little bit now. He's struggled with his health, which has uh, been reflected this week. And yeah, I think everyone is sort of being hit by the news in different ways uh-huh. because even though... I was born too young to, to see him on the pitch. His influence is um, far-reaching in the world of football. Yeah, hard to you know, hard to disagree with any of that there, Nathan. Very well said, actually, uh, because Sir Bobby Charlton was a you know consummate football person uh, on and off the pitch, and obviously held in high esteem and um, you know a life well lived. Uh, felt a bit of guilt with regard to the. Munich air disaster. That seemed to be something that he carried throughout his career after post that incident. Um, as you said, quite rightly, one of the stars for the uh, victory in 1966 for England in that World Cup that they hosted. But um, yeah, his contribution to Manchester United on and off the pitch 
uh, are a uh, benchmark. So, yeah, it's hard to dispute that. Now, with regards to being a movie, I would contend that Georgie Best's life. (laughs) Different sort of movie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Different genre. Uh, But look, I mean, it took Bobby Charlton and George Best to get Manchester United to that 1968 European Cup win Mm. and uh, Dennis Law as well. But um, look, I wasn't alive then, I have to say. I've only seen footage of that stuff. Um, But, you know, they were great. um, They were a great side and and great footballers nonetheless. Um, And look, it was held in such high esteem that, that... in 1970 with the World Cup, you know, they were thinking there was a story that as soon as Sir Ralph Ramsey took off Bobby Charlton as a replacement against Germany just to rest Bobby Charlton, that England's chances in that World Cup were done. And so it came. But, um, yeah, that 1970 Brazilian side were a bloody awesome side as well and amazing football, which we obviously talked about with Pele's passing last year as well. Yeah, we did. And whenever we do lose such an icon of the game, it is a time to step up back a little bit and take stock of those that have really influenced the game over the course of many decades. And Bobby Charlton was one who would have been successful in any era of the game, the way he played and took yeah, to the pitch. I agree with And it was good to see some of the tributes this week. I like what United did in the Champions League game against Copenhagen, mm-hmm. uh, particularly getting Dan Gore, the captain of the youth team, a part of the tribute, which was a nice touch. Mm. And good to see the respect from the Copenhagen supporters in the ground as well. Yep. Which is great. And I think it should also add that uh, David Squires put out a very good cartoon, as he does every week. Right. On Sorby Charlton's passing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, one of his best. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. But, yeah. But um, We should get David on the show. Mm, yep. Indeed. Football legend, though. No doubt. I don't know if he'd make the world's great, like the best at living of all time, though, to be fair, Sir Bobby Charlton. We've, if you've only got spot for three attackers and three midfielders, it's a hot field. Yeah. Or if you go four, four, F and two, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. What's the name of that movie again? I know it's ah, t- uh, jeez, I've forgotten the. Uh, is it Mike Bassett? That's right, Mike Bassett, football manager. <laughs> so yeah, four, 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 F and two, but um, yeah, no, it is a hot field, that's for sure. And there are what, and there are walk up starts. There are indeed. This is, um, you know, we're going to go down the rabbit hole here, but Maradona or Messi, right? R9 versus Pele. Um, you know, like Zidane versus Plat, you know, Platini. I mean, where do you stop? Where yeah, do you draw exactly. the line? It's just incredible, you know. Bobby yeah. Charlton, well, I think Bobby Charlton stacks up against any of the players of the so-called golden generation for England. Yeah, I think so. And he doesn't get mentioned in the same sort of conversations as Messi, Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona. But I don't know. Maybe he should be. Maybe that's a bit of a a flair thing, a South American thing, a yeah. bit sexier, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, look, when you talk defenders, you got to talk Italians, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no flair yes. there. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all due respect and love to our Italian friends, there's no, there's no flair there. I mean, Maldini, mm. you know, is a walk-up star for mine as far as a left back is concerned. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, I mean, I'd take Baresi over Van Dyke any day. No arguments. No okay. arguments. <laughs> so, I mean, look, happy to have this debate with you anytime. Yep. Even now, but, you know, like we can't come up with a, you know, classic 11. It'd be interesting mm. to see what, I mean, I don't have the latest uh, FC 24 or whatever it is, but um, what they have is an all-star 11 now. 
It'd be interesting to see what they have. I don't even know if they still do that, to be honest. It seems to be... Gone with FIFA? Yeah, and mm. they put all their focus into Ultimate Team and okay. the X players into that. And Let us know, because I haven't got enough time to play FC24 or any games like that. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I dabble. <laughs> hey, listen, you do. That's fair enough, right? Yep. <laughs> but, Les, it has been a big week of football. Mm. Yeah, it has. So where do you want to go? Quite rightly, you said Bobby Charlton was a big story, and it is. But where do you want to go from here? I want to talk Newcastle. Okay, let's go. I knew you wanted because to do that. Three separate stories here. I want to sort of. Are we talking? Are we talking Newcastle Jets or are we talking Newcastle United? Actually, it could be both. Okay, it could well, be both. Let's go. Whichever let's one you want to go. Skid. Let's hit the skid and go down the detour. Okay, because I was going for Newcastle United, mm-hmm. not Newcastle United Jets. <laughs> you wanted to talk about Newcastle United. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks like the Jets are finally um, going through a sale process. Yes, they are. Yes, they At are. At long last. I noted that with great interest, actually. Well, I, I think it's a bit early for uh, corks to be popping, but mm. I think oh. the bottles are getting ready. Look, it's been a long time coming. It's been, a, well, uh, I would say that it's probably been about two and a half years coming. It is, it, it's been going for that long. Yeah, I mean, chuck on some extra time for the last owner too, mm. probably. Mm. Which yeah. started reasonably well and then went to pot. Yep. And there's been no word on exactly who is interested in buying the Jets, but apparently there is someone or someones. Mm-hmm. And hey, we can only hope that this sale goes through and it turns out to be a good new owner for the club because you're right, two and a half years is ridiculous in yep. terms of trying to find a buyer. Look. And... We've heard stories similar to this in the past where a deal has been, quote-unquote, close, but only to fall away. Maybe, hopefully, that's not the case this time and we actually can get a new owner because the clubs that have been propping up Newcastle, who is it, Sydney FC, Western so United? Yeah, it's been Sydney FC, and, Western Sydney Wanderers, um, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City. Yeah, they should be focusing on their own clubs realistically. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Look, it is it isn't a easy thing, in particular with regards to a region, you know, being a regional club. Um, but I think there have been a, a few points of contention along the way. And, look, it, it's very encouraging. It's only, you know, fresh news as well. So we'll see what we can find out about it in the meantime over coming days. But, um, yeah, it, my ears did prick up and I noted that very well you know, because I've, um, yeah, had a, had a couple of conversations with regards to that with people around the scene um, over that period so yeah interesting to find out what's happening there and hopefully it's the end of licenses being seized for the foreseeable yes you would hope so right uh, i mean given... i think if you rewind a couple of years then there might have been some questions about brisbane and the batteries i still have questions about that to be fair those questions still remain that's a good point you know i mean i know casper tafter um did release a statement during the week and look brisbane seems to be in an upward trajectory but i still have my questions around um, the Bakri group yeah, and Brisbane Roth. Because that club should be absolutely massive. Yeah, it should be. And look, Given the their catchment area, mm. so to speak, the entire yep. state of Queensland. <laughs> well, pretty much, right. <laughs> and well, the success that they had with Postacoglu. Uh-huh. And Mulvaney, actually, after that. Yep, absolutely. And I would say that if you were building a list of the most iconic players to have played in the A-League... You would have the likes of Broich and Barisha, particularly in orange shirts. Oh yeah, in that team. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And Brisbane Raw should be one of the biggest clubs in the league. Agreed. Agreed. I liked what I heard about um, them exploring Perry Park oh. because I think the stadium issue is one that keeps rumbling on because Correct. Suncorp, as we saw tonight, is too big for a yep. week-to-week thing. Yeah, we should mention and that. Redcliffe is too far out of town. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not ideal either. But if they can turn Perry Park into a 20,000 somewhere there size venue, it's yep. right on a train stop. I think that'd be perfect. I think you're right. I think you're. Right. I think that's the potential venue, long, you know, longer term. Mm. I think that's the one that they need to to um, focus their attention on. Obviously, Ballymore was used by the women last weekend. And I'm not sure exactly what the nighttime situation would be with regard to Ballymore. I don't think it's fit for purpose as far as night um, is concerned at this point. I think that's why they haven't gone down that path of uh, Ballymore. But um, that said, I, I agree that um, that Parry Park is the, the one to, to go for. Um, you're right with regard to this evening. It's a shame that, uh, you know, it's a shame that the crowd looks so sparse. It's because of the size of the ground. Yeah, it like, is. That's the biggest problem. On, on TV, it doesn't look great, does it? No, it doesn't. And what I will say, the den looked fantastic tonight. It did, to be fair. It looked absolutely popping off, which was fantastic. We love to see it. And I love, as well, the chance they were given to Jordan Courtney Perkins. <laughs> but they've got something to chant. They've got something to cheer for, too, Nathan. They do. I mean, that was, that was, you know, they were unequivocally... For those that don't know, we're just recording after the Brisbane Raw versus Sydney FC game where Brisbane uh, tailed up Sydney 3-0. And yeah, played them off the park. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and things look worrying for Sydney FC at this point. I know they're the youngest side in, in the league, right, from an age perspective, but um, I am not seeing the kind of form that they took into the, um, into the Australia Cup. But also, I think that Rob was a huge miss for Sydney FC at the moment as well. Yeah. And uh, two goals for Hayden Hall. One assist nice. One assist by uh, Redmayne. Yes, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, <laughs> just down the line. Um, but tonight for Sydney was a bit of a uh, horror show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Very apt to Halloween around the corner as well. Yes, well said, well said. There we go. <laughs> you pro or anti-Halloween? Uh, not bothered. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not bothered. Me neither. No. Uh, just curious. I'm also anti-Christmas in October. Oh, you see, yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's a bit mm. too early. Yeah, like, it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, like, at least wait till the, you know, 1st of December. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, plan your lighting and all that kind of stuff during October, no problem. But in the shops, no. 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 Can't be here in Mariah Carey in October. Oh, you're going to make me swear now. <laughs> this episode's about to go, and you're right, you can't be hearing that. <laughs> Seriously. Like, people get a grip. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? So let's talk about Newcastle United. Well, if you're going to swear about Mariah Carey in October, then... uh... (laughs) This is red hot. Uh, I've got another story, another topic later on that I might force a word or two out of you as Uh, well. Well, uh, I'll put that on the back burner. (laughs) Why is it that you're always trying to get a reaction out of me for these kind of things? Seriously. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Oh, fuck. Anyway, (laughs) here you go. (laughs) Now, Tanali. I'm a bit pissed off with AC Milan, I have to say. Mm, yes. Oh, well, not really. I mean, well played, AC Milan. Well played because you got rid of a problem. Yep. And, um, yeah, uh, made some money, some, you know, some decent coin out of it. So well played. It's a bit the, dodgy, though. It is dodgy, though, because nobody will go, look, nobody, well, Newcastle United won't go back to Milan to do any business. Mm. Well, you know, I think. Yeah, I think that might be a bridge burnt now. Yep, I agree. And 
I think everybody would be thinking twice about doing any business with me, love, in light of this just for the next little while. Yeah, I mean, they'll be asking the agent for reassurances. Is there anything going on? That we should know about. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, look, you know, and and the Italian clubs aren't in a strong as position as they were comparatively, say, a decade ago, right? Or, you know, 15 years ago. But so they obviously need the funds. Um, But, yeah, that's just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong on so many levels. So it's apparent that they knew what the forthcoming problem was with Tonali. The Italian FA or uh, FIGC, to give them their proper name, uh, chairman has um, uh, passed down a 10-month ban to Sandra Tonali. However, it hasn't hit officially yet. So Eddie Howe was just quoted about an hour ago, as we record, um, saying that um, that there is a chance that he could be lining up against Wolves this Those weekend. Really to me. Like, well, I know if nothing, if nothing if he's not being banned, then I, I get that part. But the fact that this is hanging over his head, like, surely it would affect his performance. Um, I think the impending I, ban for Ivan Tony affected his performance a little bit. Yeah, look, I think we're only talking a matter of days. Look, I, yeah. I'm of the opinion that the boy should be playing till it's officially sanctioned, right? Um, and he's got every right to appeal, so he might appeal this um, this sentence and let's see what happens, this ban. But to lose him till August of 2024 basically wipes him, rubs him out for the rest of this season and the Euros. Mm, that's a big one. Yeah, it's big. It's a big. It's a big ban, right? Um, and I would be worried if he was betting on his team losing, but that isn't that isn't the case. He was actually betting on his team winning. Whilst in Tony's case, he was betting on Brentford losing when he wasn't playing. So <laughs> when he gets a lesser, he's got in his, in his squad mates, <laughs> and he gets a lesser ban, right? Yeah. I think the only difference in the ban is we're earlier in the season. I think that's yeah. it. Also, I think. Uh, I think unapproved betting platforms or illegal betting platforms were used. Yeah, and that's where the issue is. Yeah, that's. I think the that's. Issue. I think that's where the weight of um, look, you know, the maximum penalty is three years, right? But um, yeah, for a ten month ban, but with this kind of um, issue with regards to betting platforms that are considered illegal, I don't know why you need to get an illegal betting platform. There are so many betting platforms, right? Um, but yeah. Would this be to do with like crypto betting or <laughs> one of Look, these other alternative? I suspect so. Platforms, yeah. something yeah. like that. I suspect so. Yeah, that um, hasn't. I look, I haven't been able to come across exactly what construes a illegal betting platform at Tenali betted on, but or betted with. But yeah, there you have it. We touched on it last week. It is just more sad than anything else that yeah. he's been caught up in a, a gambling addiction, and it's symptomatic of well, not caused by, but it is. Due to the influence of betting and gambling around football, it is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Nathan, it's also these guys don't seemingly have enough to do with their time. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there needs to be, like we said last week, I think there needs to be more focus on and more of a commitment on actually doing things in the community. So getting involved with the community, um, you know, with the foundation. Because each one of these clubs has a foundation. So get involved with them, right? Go play golf for all I care. Do something. Right? Oh, do something. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> but, um, but you know, there are players that are even studying and doing, you know, uni via correspondence for, you know, setting themselves up for life post-football. So there needs to be, a, you know, some welfare. And there's no excuse from these professional teams and leagues. You know, they should there should be uh, 
welfare offices, and they do have them, where they need to try and, you know, um, find a way for these players to occupy themselves and give back or, you know, commit to their, you know, commit to something for their own future development. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Go get your coaching badges. Do something. Do something, yeah. And I think you're right that if a player is more occupied by things like that during, say, business hours and more time on the weekend, then perhaps they don't get caught up in it, but it's still going to be there. They're still going to have some downtime. And that's where the influence of all that comes in because you can't watch any sporting event without being bombarded by gambling ads. Yeah. Be it here, be it Europe, be it anywhere. And the Premier League are taking betting companies off their front of shirt sponsor at the end of next season or at the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's right. It's a step in the right direction, but I think they're still going to allow it on sleeves and other places. Yep. So they still will allow it on sleeves. The half measure. But Nathan, I mean, also, it's a legal thing, right? Sports gambling, you're allowed to do it, you know, do it responsibly if you, you know, but you're able to do it. So should these companies be banned from actually promoting themselves? Yes, because you don't really see cigarette companies on the front of shirts anymore. Smoking is legal. Okay, what about uh, alcohol companies? You see it less and less now. Mm. You don't see that much anymore. Like, yeah, because gone, it's gone are the days of the, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's <laughs> why. Gone are the days of the Newcastle Brown Ale or the Liverpool Carlsberg. You'll you'll never have those days again because the, the mm. front of shirt sponsors. Like, okay, well, Newcastle. As much as I would love to see that, as much as I would love to see Newcastle Brown Ale, right? That iconic brand on a Newcastle United jersey. That'll never, ever, ever happen again because they can't afford to. Also, your new owners. Oh, spare me, right? <laughs> They're a local business, right? Hey, and you know what? It's sold in the Alan Shearer's Bar. Oh, it's not actually Alan Shearer's Bar, but it's called Shearer's Bar. <laughs> uh, and just, just outside St. James Park, and it's a mighty fine drop to Newcastle Brown Ale. Yet to have the pleasure of... Uh... Tasting one, enjoying one. Well, you'll have to get the cheese <laughs> one day and see if you can get to, to that when a Newcastle United game is on. Yeah, maybe. See how we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Might but it's not the if... only Newcastle story I wanted to talk about this week. I was going to say, you might have to see if I can send you a six-pack. Mm, that'd go down the street. So you can enjoy responsibly. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> and yes, other uh, alcoholic beverages are, are available. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Laz, yep. off the back of this Tenali news, I saw a mm. little bit of a rumour here. Yeah, that, uh, Newcastle are in the market for a replacement for the rest of the season. On loan? On loan. Which, and what is the rumour? Because I haven't yet to see this. The rumour would be uh, Ruben Neves. Oh, now this makes things interesting, doesn't it? It does. It does. Ruben I... Neves, who, of course, formerly mm. playing for Wolves in the Premier League, now plays for Al-Halal. I don't... I, look, if I was to take a midfielder out of... Mm, well, look, Jordan Henderson won't go, right? No. Because of the Sunderland connection. Um, although, look, hey, maybe I don't know, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'd rather have Ruben Nevers and Henderson anyway. Mm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I, I would actually like to get Ingolo Kante on yeah. loan as a holding as, as a holding midfielder. But that's an interesting point that you raised there, Nathan. I hadn't thought about that. That thought hadn't crossed my mind. Because, I think Kessie's in the Middle East too now. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, in Saudi, yeah. So, yeah. look, there would be options there. I don't but mind. It'd be a tough Nevis. negotiation with Al-Halal. 
I don't mind Ruben Nevers. <laughs> I'm ignoring that comment. Um, I don't mind Ruben Nevers. Uh, it will be interesting to see. I don't know if he'll come, though. I reckon I mean, he would. I mean, he'd be on the same wage, obviously. Yeah, but he's very emotionally, you know, tied to Wolves. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a business after all that, but I, I, I recall seeing his farewell message to the Wolves fans, and I don't know if he's ready for that kind of I mean, step, but yet maybe if it was 12 months down the track, different story. Six months but, is a long time in football. Yeah, that's true. Ain't that the truth? But yeah, yeah, look, it could happen. It could happen. Um, yeah, I think we do. I think Newcastle does need a little bit of uh, reinforcement now in that midfield area and also striker because is that going down the Champions League was not fun. No. And actually cost Newcastle, I think. Newcastle players are dropping like flies at the moment. Yeah, it's it's concerning. Botman's out as well. Yeah, yeah. Although Botman was supposed to come back for the last weekend, but I think mm. he's fit. But Lascelles has been doing a good job to his credit. I mean, I'll, I'll give... I'll, You've been off him. <laughs> I have been. And look, I have to give credit where credit's due. He's played really well for, you know, and, and done a really good job. Um, I didn't think he would be able to um, to mix it back in the Premier League and in the Champions League, but he's, he's been very solid. Yeah. He's been very solid. And look, credit, uh, that Dorban-Newcastle game was a cracking game, even though it, was, it went the wrong way for uh, Newcastle United. Um, you know, a couple of crossbars and, you know, things change, right? But um, full credit to Dortmund. They played really well the first half, deserved their lead, but Newcastle were just unlucky and not to get to uh, to flip it around. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when Newcastle goes to Dortmund. Yeah, very much so. And I think with this group of death, you kind of have to get something from your home games. Yeah, you do. To go through. Yeah. Losing at home to Dortmund is not great for Newcastle's no, but look, uh, standing in the group, but if they reverse the, through. yeah, I was going to say Nathan, if they reverse the result in Dortmund, yeah, or no, then the, yeah, that's right. But PSG um, definitely put the uh, cleanest through Milan. That they did, you know, and Mbappe's and Mbappe. I'll tell you, the, look, you look at that goal and you think, mm, okay, I've seen it before. But in order to do that kind of skill, it's actually executed that quickly with that speed and, and precision. It's just incredible, really. Yeah. Brilliant goal. And but, I think from Mbappe, we've mentioned this before. It's not that I want, want to see him in a Real Madrid shirt, but I think he has to leave French football to cement himself as, well, cement his legacy, really. Like, I mean, he's got a World Cup. He's got league un titles, sure. But I think he wants to win bigger honours. He would want to win a Champions League. He'd want to win a Ballon d'Or or the FIFA Best Award, whatever the hell that is. And Pardon me. for him to do that, he's got to move away from French football. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think a Ballon d'Or winner can only come from England or Spain at this point. Yes, although one you know will be in the MLS very soon, which we'll get on to in a minute. Right? Different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, Ball- a Ballon d'Or winner can only come from England or Spain. Q, Lionel Messi winning it next week. Good point, well made. Um, mm-hmm. But moving forward, I think Messi's going to pick it up for his Argentina performances, of course. Sure. Agree. I think Agree. for the next phase, the next era of football, whatever buzzword you want to stick in there, and it's going to be, I don't know, right. maybe Jude, maybe Haaland, maybe Mbappe, uh, a few look, other players in there that yeah. can get up to that level. Sure, I don't think we see a 10-year period dominated by two players for the foreseeable. No, I, I don't but in think, any case, I think yeah. we need to move to a club, be it Real Madrid, Barcelona, mm. or a Premier League team. To be in I that yeah, I don't think you see another era like the Ronaldo Messi era. Uh, it, it's been totally unique, unheard of in in 
you know, football historically. Uh, you're right. I think that, um, well, look, you could uh, throw the Bundesliga in there, right? but the mm. French media aren't going to book, you know, or the keep or whichever newspaper it is, right? I can't remember, but I know it's I mean, French newspaper, right? Whoever picks a Ballon d'Or, they're not going to go to Germany as far they're as not, the Bundesliga. Lewandowski should have won one. Correct. And and that's why they're not going to go to Germany. Yeah. Like if Lewandowski isn't winning a Ballon d'Or for what he was doing at Bayern Munich, no one ever will. Correct. Correct. And I think it's very difficult to see one coming from the Serie A, where Agree. it stands at the moment in terms of the European continents. Mm. And not so much the level of football. I'm not suggesting mm. that. It's more, I think it's more the standing of some of the clubs. I think Real Madrid, Barcelona, and some Premier League teams are on a slightly higher pedestal at the moment. Whether that's right or wrong, it's probably wrong. But I think that's just the the sense yeah. that I'm feeling from some of the yep. big Italian clubs. Yeah, They are a step down from where yeah. the Ballon d'Or winners have come from. Yep. Can't dispute with you there. Have you got anything else for Newcastle United? Uh, let's see. Let, because, you know. <laughs> What's in my drawer over here? I've been saving <laughs> a few, have I? <laughs> that I know. Uh, no, I think I'm Newcastle out for this week. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But they are away at Wolves. So, and look, and, and hey, in the Premier League. Ruben Nevers, there you go. There you go. And in the Premier League, they've played pretty well. So hopefully they can uh, keep that performance level up. So, but uh, let's talk about Real Madrid. Let's do it. Let's do it. El Clasico this weekend as well, by the by, which we mm. can get onto later. Yeah, but, it's um, a massive weekend in football. Yeah, it is. It is. But uh, Bellingham again, man. Seriously, this kid. He's so good. Uh, if he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or for this season, give it to him now. Like, what are you waiting for? This is unbelievable. What we're witnessing, I mean, what we're witnessing it, is... He's is, not winning, winning the Ballon d'Or, but... It's up there. It's that kind of form, though, Nathan. Oh, it is that form, yes. It, it's, uh, it's unequivocally that kind of form. Yeah. Hey, if he continues it in the second half of this season, and if England win the Euros, then he might be up for it for 2024. Mate, even if England don't win the Euros... If he leads this Real Madrid to winning a league and a Champions League, good enough for me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure of that, but... Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the international side of things does come into it a lot. Sure, but look, the fact is is that he will contribute to England's campaign, and I think that England will stop short at a semi-final right, without even having a look at the groups. I just think yeah, they're top four and that's it. Mm, well, I haven't made the group yet. Well, so. that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I expect top four, but I expect them to lose at the semi-final stage, right? So It's an early call, but you're running with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah, I mean, the Only next era of football, be it at, Harlem, Bellingham, yeah. Mbappe, yeah. and whoever else comes to the four, I'm sure there's a, a kid in La Masia who's got something to say about it. No one's ever heard of him. There was another one who came into the spotlight last weekend. Mm-hmm. Very true. <laughs> Very true. But, yeah, oh. the next era is going to be fantastic to watch. And Bellingham's right up there. And we're seeing his performances this week, this season. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Brilliant talent. Brilliant talent. And is really the catalyst for the success that Real Madrid have had in the Champions League so far this season and uh, in La Liga and uh, sitting pretty at the top. Wouldn't it be funny? By the time Jude Bellingham retires, and I'm getting my crystal ball out here, yeah, geez, you're talking about something that's about 15 <laughs> years away, but yeah, go on. Yeah, say he continues on a similar trajectory. Um, he can't oh. keep up this form long-term. Oh, sure. But he would be in the conversation for best English player of this century. Yes. And it'd be quite peculiar, funny, in that sense, that uh, he wouldn't have played in the Premier League. Yeah. 
to, yeah. to go from Birmingham City to Dortmund to Real Madrid. There's no reason to leave Real Madrid. Not right now. Unless unless Real Madrid want to get rid of you. Yeah. And I I don't see that happening right now. No. Not not no. for at least not for at least a decade, I don't think. But they're very good with knowing when to get rid of players. That that they are. That mm. they are. But yeah, I want to see him in the Premier League at some point, Jude. No, nah, he's you know unless he's wearing a not <laughs> unless he's wearing a black and white shirt, no problem, right? I'm not talking. So he's coming to the A League, is he? I'm not talk, talking full and well, we'll get onto your black and whites in a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, he can stay around, enjoy his career there, contribute to that fantastic club, and leave a legacy there too. He's good enough. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you, he, you is. Do, he is. You, you don't do what he has already done at this age on the stage that you're performing if you're not all that, and he is all that. He's an incredible, incredible player. Reminds me of Zidane in a way. Yeah, I can sort of say it. Uh, his movement is mm. and his perception, he just knows where to be at the right time. Um, and the plays that he makes are the right ones. So his decision-making is just incredible. And and when you add that to the age factor, you know, it, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. And, and if He's you played me, well beyond his years for yeah. much, pretty much his entire career. He's played like someone who's played a decade in the game already. Yeah. And look, no, with all due respect to Harland, right? He's a, he's a great striker and, you know, he'll score, he'll break all kinds of records. Give me Bellingham any day because that's a, that's a football now that can't be easily acquired and can actually be passed on in, in ways like, you know, to your colleagues and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Bellingham is the, is, a more valuable player in, in footballing terms all round versus Haaland, who's, you know, basically... And look, like I said, I get it. And goals win games, and there's no doubt about it, right? But um, you need players like Bellingham, and they're more valuable for the for the brain's trust that they have or you can build. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyway, Laz, we talked about Newcastle. We talked about Real Madrid. Yeah. That's enough of my teams here. Go on. Yep, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Where do you want to go? Do you want to go Matildas? Do you want to talk Man U? Not that I want to really talk Man U, but... I want to change tact. Oh, okay. I want to talk about the Rugby World Cup. Oh, hello. Okay, I was not expecting this. (laughs) Yes, what about it? I know it's a football show, so you're right to not expect it. But there was a story this week that uh, the Rugby World Cup 2027... We already knew it was going to be in Australia, mm-hmm. but they have uh, shifted the timetable to <clears throat> dodge the finals for the AFL and the NRL. Yeah, they're doing it later in the year, aren't they? Yes, they're going to host it in October, November. Yep. And they want to be like FIFA and have stadium exclusivity, mm-hmm. and they want to take a whole host of stadiums. I've got a list in front of me, but this is a big impact on Australian football and mm-hmm. the A-League. Yep. It is now, as because given that the A-League plays the time of year that it plays, right? But if there is calendar harmonisation that, they're talk- that they've been talking about with Football Australia for a while, I don't see that being a problem. Really? Yeah, because within four years, if if Football Australia is serious about trying to get the calendars synchronised with regards to football all around the country, then I think you'll see the A-League will be moving to a winter league. I don't see that, me. <sighs> Well, I don't then, see it. Well, then they're not going to move the MPLs to summer. No, they won't. So they definitely won't do that. What are what is Football Australia talking about then with regards to a calendar? 
a football calendar because the if thing is, if you're looking at synchronous, sorry, Nathan, if you're looking at syn- mm-hmm. synchronicity in a way where, where there is a football calendar which all tiers are involved with, that would mean, in my mind, and I don't know how you construe it, is that the A League would be moving to a winterless, like to a winter league? Is that that's not- how you would have to achieve a synchronized football pyramid? Yeah, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. And I've got multiple reasons as to why. I would like to see it happen because okay. we saw it during the COVID time that the quality of football was better when it was played in mm-hmm. May, June, July, mm-hmm. which makes oh, sense. Obviously, yeah. you, if you're not playing outdoor in right. 30 something degree heat, then the quality of football is going to be better, more energetic, yeah. faster, sure. Yeah. Better to watch, better quality. People get more interested because it's a higher level, oh. sure. I appreciate all that. The stumbling blocks are stadium availability yep. and ground sharing. Mm-hmm. It's bad enough when there's crossover in March between Rugby League and Rugby Union, mm-hmm. and Amy Park looks ridiculous with all the lines on the field. Mm-hmm. There's the broadcast mm-hmm. deal. Very difficult, I think, for broadcasts to get on board for an A-League season that 100% clashes with the major codes. Yep. Also, you're seeing other Asian leagues switch to a calendar similar to the A-League, not a, say, March to October season. They are switching to an October to May season. Yeah, but the big ones, Japan and Korea are... We're talking about in our region, like, okay, the East Asia region, I should say. But I think all that together, I don't see it. I'd like it to happen, but I don't see it happening. And it's a question mark for promotion relegation that maybe is a a hope for the mid-2030s. And, and well, yes, but... It won't happen before that. No, that promotion relegation won't happen before that, granted. But the synchronisation of the calendars would have to happen before that happens. Oh, it would. And... You know, why not four years? Because it's been it's been discussed for the last three. The question is, like, how do you deal with those problems? problems I know Australian football shouldn't be looking across the AFL and the NRL and trying to beat them. It should go our own path, forge our own, whatever. Mm -hmm. Sure, but it it does. We can't just ignore the elephant in the room. No, we can't. That is the broadcast deals and the stadium availabilities. Yep, and we would love for every other club to have a Western United Stadium, which Mm -hmm. uh, will be coming. Mm-hmm. But that's not realistic. No. So how do you get past it? Oh, look, I would go off what France have done in a way because I know that France, um, 2023, like for instance, they've used the, the Velodrome, but Marseille haven't been playing on the road the whole time either. So that throws out the exclusivity agreement or mm. arrangement. Um, and Marseille have had European football as well, right? Yeah, that they have. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, hmm. Look, this is where we, you know, Football Australia is going to have to show a bit of backbone here, and likewise the APL. Not saying not to work with Rugby Australia. You've got to find a solution that would be conducive for both parties. But the trouble is that the Rugby World Cup goes for so long as well. Yeah, it'll go for seven weeks. Yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. So, and they want use for Moore Park, Homebush, Parramatta, yeah. Swan Street, Docklands, Newcastle, Brisbane, and Canberra. Yep. Yeah among some others that the A-League doesn't use. Yeah. But it'll be a month for the group stage. Yeah. And do you negotiate? I think, I think the obvious do. solution is just to delay the league for a month. No, I think you negotiate initially. But let's just wait and see. It's something that, um, you know, will probably be need, need to be dealt with in 2026. And well, you'd, between, you'd hope it's done before then. Well, yeah, but between now and then, right, let's have a look and see what the appetite is for synchronisation. Mm-hmm. And then if that's not the issue, well, then, you know, or if that is, you know, if that's not resolved, if that issue isn't resolved, then we um, speak to uh, the 
local committee organising the Rugby World Cup because it's not Rugby Australia. Mm. It's a different entity altogether. Yeah, and I mean, if FIFA and football is going to ask the AFL, the NRL and rugby to go on hold for a Men's World Cup, mm. then should we not also be uh, considering going on hold ourselves for a different kind of international tournament? That's a very good point. As well. Mm. That's why I said we've got to work together with these guys. Yeah, but that's something for uh, much further down the line. Yeah, but it's an interesting topic, nonetheless. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We shall change tact again, Les. Okay. Where to? I want to talk about Everton. I'm glad you brought this up. Mm. Because I wanted to talk about Everton as well. Everton are facing a 12-point deduction for this season. Yeah. Because they may not be able to pass the uh, fit and proper finances Mm -hmm. uh, assessment. This apparently is in regards to a loan for the stadium. Mm -hmm. This is the next line in a long list of problem after problem for Everton regarding whether it be the ownership or the stadium or the squad or the manager, whoever it is, football reasons, non-football reasons. I feel sorry for Everton supporters. It is just bad story after bad story. Okay. And at, maybe they get this points deduction. That might see them down. And it may get worse. Nathan, if they get this, if this point deduction comes through, Everton can't recover. No, they won't. The, 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 they'll be relegated and, and that's that, right? Um, now, the mismanagement of the club isn't really indicative in the case of going to get a loan to finance a stadium. Where the mismanagement of the club comes into is the amount of money that's been spent on incoming transfers that have been duds. Yeah. Or that haven't worked out. I shouldn't call I mean, okay, they've been duds, but they just have, they haven't worked <laughs> out, right? I don't like the, the, the writing people, but the fact is... Well, is that, the is rule that, of thumb is that 50% of transfers don't work out. Well, okay. Well, in this case here... Everton have pissed six hundred million pounds up against the wall. Yeah, they have, and that's the and that's the reality of it, right? We talk about Chelsea, you know, and um, Todd Bowley should have just bought into Brighton instead of buying <laughs> Chelsea, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know he spent you know in excess of three hundred million pounds acquiring their players and more with the coach and all that kind of stuff. But and Manchester United have spent an absolute bomb on, on players, likewise Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yep. In particular, Manchester United. But what Everton yeah. have done is on the same scale, money-wise. You, you know, I think it's on in the same scale of around about six hundred million pounds in the last few years. Uh, not a whole lot net spend, right? But yeah, but okay. Manchester United finished seventh. Sorry, Manchester United finished seventh, right? Whilst um, Everton actors. Yeah. Really. And it's six hundred million on not a whole lot. And almost got relegated twice. last season. Almost got relegated. Yeah, in the last two yep. seasons. Yep. And now they can't survive this. If, no. if this happens, if this points penalty is, is dished out, Everton cannot survive this season. They'll no, be the game no down. No way. And their only hope would be that there's three teams worse than them, which... And there yeah, are. There might be. There might be. There are. <laughs> no, but there there are. But I don't know if that gap of 12 points is enough to, to cover the difference. Yeah. Right? There Like Luton, Burnley... Sheffield. And Sheffield United. Not so much Sheffield United because they, well, except for New, against Newcastle United at home, but they no, pretty much, I think, well, based on that kind of performance, yes, right? Because that's going to happen again at some point this season, right? Yeah, it may it will. may happen, you know, another two or three times. So, mm. you know, yeah, they're, they're not great sides. No, I think everyone says that the, the bottom half of the Premier League is pretty weak in recent years. I think, this season, it is especially weak down the bottom of the Premier League. Mate, they'll be lucky to get 40 points between them. Yeah, 
Actually, might be. <laughs> it will be. Yeah. They'll be lucky mm. to get 40 points between the three of them when you need 40 points to survive. This year, yeah. I think you'll need about 30. Probably. Maybe less than that. Um, And like, it's just ridiculous. Luton have nothing going for them at the moment. They play low block and hope every game because that's all they can do with the players they've got. Yep. Sheffield United, it's almost like they didn't even bother with this season. On the eve of the season, they sell their two best players, Ilman NDI and mm. Sander Berger. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They sell them on the eve of the season launch mm. and not really replace them. Yeah, Sander Berger's not doing great things at Burnley, but he was at Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. And Burnley are just toothless. They are toothless. If anyone's going to survive, it's going to be Burnley, but I don't see it happening. They're... Well, maybe alongside Bournemouth are my biggest disappointments so far this season. Mm. Like I was expecting Burnley to do something similar to Fulham last year. Same. In the way in which they dominated the championship. Same. But as I say, they're toothless. And Vincent Company can play nice football as much as he likes. Do his B-Tech Man City. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have Erling Haaland to stick for all the goals in the back of the net. And you need a top quality striker to get out of the relegation scrap, which they just don't have. Yeah. Can't dispute that. Can't dispute that. Is it time that a salary cap was brought in to try and uh, disperse talent and, and drafts and things like that? No, no. A it's, salary cap. It's just, an anti-European thing, but it is. I don't know how you do it without just locking in the current best teams as well, because yeah. you have to do a salary cap linked to revenue. Yeah, of the club, because yeah, you can't I mean, expect Luton to be on the same salary cap as Man City. Please. Correct. So it has to be linked to revenue, but then and, it locks and, and in all, the best and, teams. And, and all the same revenue either, right? All yeah. the, same, the same revenue either. When you look at Manchester United, um, you know, breaking all records with regards to revenue in Premier League club terms, it's just insane, right? Mm. Considering the relative failure that they have had, as you yeah. would term it. I wouldn't call it a failure. It's just a mediocre season. But yeah. I mean, if the season had ended today, it would be a failure of a season. Yeah, well, we can only live in hope, right? But, um, <laughs> hey, I might want the season to end today rather than uh, this time I, next week. I, for one, would be really happy. <laughs> yes, when is that? Is that Manchester Derby's? Uh, when's Manchester Derby? Matthew? Yeah, Monday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a big weekend of football, isn't it? That it is. That it yeah. is. It is a massive weekend. Um, Get to that shortly. Shortly indeed. Shortly indeed. Mm, got other things uh, that uh, have a bit of substance mm. that we need to talk about. Yeah, I want to talk about Ajax. Give him another mention this week. Ah, there you go. Stole my thunder. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, they've this sacked the coach. At long last. After eight winless. Yep. And Never uh, Lang- before. Lang- never Lang- before have yeah. Ajax gone eight games unbeaten. No, no. Sorry, eight games winless. Winless. Mm. In their professional history. That's never happened before. And they're in 16th, I think, or 17th. Is that right? 17th. 17th. They are only ahead of Volendam. And this weekend, Ajax are playing PSV Eindhoven. And Volendam are playing a, a mid-table side. So, th- so it's quite possible that Ajax, Ajax will be could... bottom of the Eredivisie at the end of the say, weekend. Yeah. Ajax uh, <laughs> could be dead last. Yeah. Which has never happened before, has it? it never before have they been 17th. Yeah. There you go. So, they've yeah. never, been, never been last before. Mm. Wow. Mm. And I fancy that PSV will, will give it to... Um, oh, they will. To AX from oh, what they will. You know, yeah. I'm expecting a well. I'm expecting the game to get called off about thirty minutes in again, just to prevent the be <laughs> played the next day. And you know, yeah. closed stadium. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's what actually happened with uh, Olivia Kospinathanakos last mm. weekend. 
Did it? Yeah, the game was banned due to uh, it was at Olympiacos' home ground, but um, and the score was one all. But a uh, crowd incident occurred, and mm. uh, which uh, stopped play on the pitch when projectiles were thrown, and that'll do it. That'll so do it. Yet to be played uh, the rest, so we'll see what happens if uh, they're going to replay the game or if they're going to come back and finish the rest, but they were left to their own devices this week given the European football. Yeah, I mean, they had a good win earlier today, Olympia, of course. Olympia, of course, yes. Mm. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, at home, 2-1 against West Ham United. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, Parathon Aikos went down. Aik went down as well while we're covering the Greek clubs. But actually, uh, Park won away at Aberdeen, which was, a, you know, a big result. That's a long journey. Yeah, it is. It mm. is from Thessaloniki or Salonika to Aberdeen. Yeah, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't be an easy journey. <laughs> I can't imagine there'd be a direct flight. Uh, oh, there'd be a flight to, yeah. I'd say they'd go Athens or Thessaloniki, London, and then from there they'd have to make, you know, get into Aberdeen that way. Yeah. So there you go. The vagaries of European football, Beth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so what what did you make of so what do you make of AX and their prospects now? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's they're, they're so bad, and they keep signing dud players and ones that they do make you scratch your head. Like why on earth have they signed you? But it's more than just that. They're also insisted on having a Dutch manager. Are you sad about this? Not overly. I was going to say I don't think you because you're not an AX no. supporter. No. Uh, Twent is my go. Yeah. Mm. Um, but Ajax are in search of Dutch managers. They, The outgoing manager who's just lost his job was doing good things with another club mm-hmm. last season, uh, Sparta. Yep. Sparta Rotterdam. Sparta the Rotterdam, yep. Yep. Did good things last season, but just out of his depth in the Ajax dugout. Yeah. And the rumour is for the rest of the season, they're after a caretaker. Graham Potter. Nope. I know that he's or may- Dutch. Maybe for the permanent. But he's got to be Dutch Potter. anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know why the they season. do that. Sorry, Nathan. I don't know why they insist that though. Yeah, what, don't know. what is the thinking behind that in this day and age? I think it's just traditionalists. Yeah, but Dutch, the Dutch don't strike me as such a conservative mob. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Potter would be great for Ajax, I think, as a permanent um, manager. But let's caretaker for the rest of the season. There is a name that has emerged on a. From a short list, I presume. Yeah. It is one John Van Schip. Ooh, Johnny Van Schip. <laughs> <clears throat> That's an interesting one. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, unfortunately, he, um, his well, spouse Dutch. passed away. Yeah, but his spouse passed away recently yeah. as well, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But, um, well, we should move all the way. But I think you're right. I think Potter would actually be a really good fit for a club like Ajax. But um, do you yeah. think Potter's been okay. holding out for the England job? Oh, he might be. Mm, because I don't think Eddie Howe's going to go. No, he might get pushed, but he wouldn't go. Who would get pushed? I mean, if Newcastle finished like seventh or eighth this season, he might get pushed out of the job. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Maybe. Yeah, because look, I think if Newcastle finish where they are now, happy days are still for Eddie Howe. Yeah, exactly. Where, where um, Eddie Howe needs to show some steel is with regards to clubs like Liverpool, Right, like Newcastle can't afford to lose those kind of games. Yeah, I mean, right, shouldn't have lost a one earlier this season. No, that's right. So Liverpool have a way of winning games. Newcastle need to win those type of games. Now the question is, is Eddie how the kind of manager for that? 
Uh, I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, look, he's had positive results against uh, Manchester United. <clears throat> the clubs that he hasn't had positive results against are Man City, Liverpool, and that's about it, really, at this point. I.e. clubs in a better position now, like the better teams. Well, no, I'm t- not only that, but like Eddie Howe hasn't beaten, like, and Newcastle haven't beaten Liverpool or Manchester City in recent times. They've mm. beaten Manchester United. They've beaten um, Spurs. They've beaten Arsenal, right, in recent times. But, I mean, it, it's those clubs, though, Liverpool and, and, and the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City that he needs to knock over. I think it's as simple as Liverpool and Man City are a level up. I think, I think look, it's as simple as that. I think they are too. And I think they finish. And, and look, throw Arsenal in that mix, but Liverpool, but Arsenal has, sorry, Newcastle United have beaten Arsenal. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, it, it's 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 one of those things where I think Liverpool, and I've said it to you before actually on the, on the pod, that Newcastle United seems to struggle against Liverpool for some reason. Like there's a psychological barrier there for some reason. Like yeah, they're highly entertaining games, but they're frustrating as shit because <laughs> we inevitably end up on the bloody wrong result of them, right? Whilst you know we've had historically big wins against you know the likes of Manchester United and others. So yeah, yeah, you're right. But in the modern era, we need to knock over. You know, Newcastle United needs to knock over Manchester City and Liverpool. As does everyone else. else. <laughs> well, yeah, but look, Arsenal knocked over Manchester City. They did. They did. And, and look, I'm starting to come around to the thing that um, Arsenal look like Premier League winners. It looks like we're getting a title race this season. I'll we say are. We, we have got a title race. Yeah. There's I definitely mean, a title race. And Spurs are in the title race. It's a bit early. It's a bit early. No. Okay. Early in the sense that, okay, the number of games. But I'll tell you what. Mm. I think Spurs are, are in it, um, but they'll fade. But Arsenal, when you look at them going down, to, going behind the Chelsea, getting a draw. Well, getting a win against Man- get well okay, but getting a win against <laughs> Manchester City, right? They're strong contenders, right? And and you just want to see when Arsenal play Liverpool. That's when you yeah, know. that's that when, is when that indeed yeah that's, that's that's a litmus test. Yes, this Arsenal against that this Liverpool, that's when we'll know exactly where the bona fides are. And when is that game? When does Arsenal? I have play a Liverpool? feeling it's very soon, actually, Nathan. Well, they haven't played yet this season, so no, they can't be too far away. No. I have a feeling it's like in the next uh, two, three rounds. It's it's around the corner. So uh, Liverpool Arsenal. It is on the twenty fourth of December, Christmas Eve, Sydney time. Wow, that's the first time they play together. Yeah, it's wow. still a ways off. That is a ways off. I thought it was around yeah three weeks time for some reason. There you go. Mm. Okay, so we have to correct. wait. I see corrected, but we have to wait. And look, what a great way to wait. You know, great way to wake up on Christmas morning and watch that game. Yes, yeah, so that's when we'll know exactly where uh, Arsenal sit. In the scheme of things, but I think it's a three-way title race with Spurs being a notable fourth. Yeah, I think so. But, but you know, look, a lot of football to be played. I know you've hung shit on us before with regard to Spurs, yeah. right? <laughs> and I might, and I despise them. I don't despise them, um, but at all. Actually, their the side, like their team of the eighties, was one that I found very entertaining. Yeah, with, I mean, yeah, if ideas, I'm you know, sort of uh, assessing Spurs as a a rival, so to speak. Yeah. The word that comes to mind is harmless. Yeah, but you're influenced by the likes of Roy Keane and, and your mob, right? So yeah, I am. The Spurs, right? No. But it's also that Spurs haven't done anything for so long now. Okay. All right. Like, I look at City and they're intimidating. I look at Liverpool and it's also intimidating. Sure. But they're, but they're Manchester United's traditional rivals. I'd say the same about Arsenal. Mm, 
Premier League year, to yes. To some extent. Premier League year, yes, and not before that. Used to be Liverpool, Arsenal, and Everton. Liverpool and Everton in the 80s was a ding-dong oh, yeah. period as well. But the point is, City now, Liverpool for a long time, mm. they're teams with lots of credentials, teams yep. that you expect to be involved in title yep. fights now. Yep. Yep. And at the start of the season, you go, okay, if we want to win the league, we've got to beat them, them, them. Spurs are never in that list. I think they have been for, for a little while. Maybe whilst Potch was there as well, like last time Potch was there and Mourinho was there. Mm. It was, you know, not so much under Conte. And I don't understand Conte, right, on that. How can he go want to – he actually came out the other day and said the only two jobs I'm interested in are Napoli and Roma. What is the matter with you, mate? What is the matter no. with you? You don't say anything. What? Yeah, exactly. Don't say anything. And not only I, that. I, I hadn't seen that, and that, that was pick, baffle me. And look, is he just a Jose follower in the sense that he needs to pick up the job after Jose leaves it? Like, for fuck's sake, seriously. Uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was a slip up earlier, sorry. Yes. I was expecting one out of the rugby chat, but... Uh... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, listen, you know that I'm quite a logical person at the best of times, Nathan. Hmm. But like fucking perception, man. Seriously, hmm. like, you know, do you want to be known as, hey, I followed Jose everywhere except for Real because, you know, Conte's not good enough to coach Real. I think it's just the case of Conte going and... It can't... The, yes, the it's coincidental. Of, no, I don't think it is coincidental. I don't think it is. No, no. in the sense that it's coincidental in the case that he... He doesn't think, okay, Jose's been there. I've got to go there next, right? It's no. The, the case that the clubs that, yes, the clubs yes. have appointed him, have appointed him after Jose because it's a similar style in it's ways. It's style and Not it's exactly. also... Uh, I it, think jo- Jose's more well, entertaining. Yes, Jose's very much more entertaining. No, no, his teams are more entertaining. <laughs> <don't they? laughs> and the, that's right. And we should mention he got sent off the other day. Yes. <laughs> 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 But also, it's just the teams that Mourinho and Conte seem to get employed by are ones that are a bit chaotic, looking for, a, in a football sense, a get-rich-quick scheme. But okay, well, on that point. Spurs. Spurs were after a manager who could deliver them a trophy because no sure. one saw them as a big club and yes. they were lining up for the Super League. Yes. And a big trophy would sort of put that perception yeah. in the closet a little bit. Because they couldn't seal the deal with Potch, right? Yeah. Mm. And... The point was, if Spurs are going to go and join the Super League, questions would be asked for why Tottenham in this competition, they don't win anything. That's why they were so desperate to win something with Conte and Jose. Mm. Manchester United were desperate. That's why they got for, went for Jose Mourinho. Mm. Roma in a rough spot. And a typical Jose first season and two, it's uh, worked out. And yeah. season three, he's had his moments. I don't think it's quite falling apart yet. It's not falling apart. It's not it's falling not, apart. It's not falling apart. And if it makes and, it past this year, I think, like, he, I actually legitimately believe he sees Roma as a project. Yeah. And he's got Lukaku to thank. Absolutely. The former Romelu Lukaku, I didn't see coming. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. You know, he's, look, Mourinho's always been one to throw his arms around players as well, right? And, you know, and Lukaku obviously responds to that. So, all power to him. I think they'll qualify for Europe. I don't know if it'll be Champions League, but I think they'll qualify for Europe again. Yeah, they'll be in the mix, surely. Yeah, yeah. And if you, look, if they qualify for Champions League, job done for Jose, and then the next step, right? But for Conte to come out and say, I want to manage either Napoli or Roma, who are you, buddy? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Well, shall we talk about the Tillies? Yes, let's. 
Probably should have been higher up in the running order for this pod. We don't have a running order, Nathan. We just we just go where the conversation <laughs> takes us. I know that you've got like things that you want to talk about, but you know you prepare more so for the pod than what I do. I've got six words on my little. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You here. prepare more so than what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we probably should have mentioned them earlier. Yes. The Matildas in action in last Perth. night in Perth mm. and twice more over this international window. Uh-huh. Great to see all three games sell out. Uh-huh. Two at uh, Perth HBF. Rectangular Stadium, yep. HBF Park. One at uh, Perth Oval. Optus Stadium. There it is. <laughs> They're weekly match. We're happy to call, we're happy to call <laughs> them by their sponsor names, right? Like the, the Ovals, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. It's not a FIFA-sanctioned tournament, so, no, you know. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but, yes, a good win with a rotated team last night. Mm, mm. I think it's not a surprise they won. It's no. not a surprise they kept a clean sheet. But yep. particularly with a rotated side, good to see some players that uh, weren't involved much mm. or at all at the World Cup, mm. notably Chids. Yep. Did and you find the game frustrating? Frustrating, yes. A surprise, no. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that it was a frustrating mm. uh, display. I think it's to be expected. Yeah, I think we just, Australia just lacked a little bit of a clinical edge, if I can put it that way. It wasn't clinical enough. I think that's where the criticism comes, like the frustration comes from. Yeah, I think that entangled with uh, some of the things we see from the opposition, mm-hmm. it all builds into yeah, sure. a little bit of a frustrating night. Yep. But it's something that we've seen with the Matildas for a little bit now. Mm. And the Socceroos as well, but that's a separate discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That when the Australian national teams have the ball, sometimes there's some games where they are a little bit lacking in ideas and they struggle to break down low blocks. Yeah. And that is a mark of when a good team shows that they are a good team. Can you break yeah. down someone who just is happy to take a nil-nil? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, cool. Deal with that. Can yeah. teams actually deal with that? And hey, a win's a win. 2-0. Happy days. But uh, <clears throat> against the... Uh, Aside with perhaps a little more experience at this mm. level, mm. maybe that turns into a frustrating nil-nil. Yeah, Nathan, but you might not have as much of the ball as well if they're, they're a bit more experienced than opposition or a bit high-caliber opposition, supposedly. But, um, yeah, I take your point. We Australia needs, to, in both the men's and the women's, needs to be a bit more assertive, uh, possession with purpose, when you are expected to be the bulk possession side. Right and actually stretch the defence uh, of your opponent and make them work and and actually play with a bit of zip, bit of purpose, trying to shift the defence out of shape. You know, um, yeah. Look, I think the Philippines will provide a different challenge to what Iran um, has, but um, and then again, you know, the game after the Philippines game is um, you know considered a weaker opponent, and Australia's going to have to you know, put in a solid performance again as well, right? So hopefully the Tillies can uh, hit their straps uh, during the Philippines game and uh, put on a, a bit of a performance. Uh, you know, I look, really, it should be a 2-0 win. And then the game after, 3-0, 4-0, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think so. It's just a case of building for the Olympics, of course. Mm. That's the next major event. Yeah, correct. And it's not a case of can we qualify what can we do on the road to that tournament. Yeah, that's right. And... Depth building is something that was thrown around a lot before the World Cup. Correct. To no avail because we didn't see much of it at all at the World Cup. I wonder if uh, Tony G has seen that he needs a bit more trust and a bit more development in some of those uh, fringer players, and that's what we might see over the next year or so. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit 
I'm a bit perplexed with Tony G at the moment, and I'm glad that he spoke out the other day, but he's got a job to do right now, and that job is just to get Australia through to the Olympics and, and ensure that the performance is at a level that is, it attains, but also there's um, you know, a bit of purpose in, in the way that Australia plays, but also ensure that the next generation coming through are, are, you know, of players immediately are integrated into the team. Now, to say that he wants to see the Australian government throw a lot more resources at football is great, but right, you know, you can do that in other forums in longer term, like, you know, in forums like this, right? And, hey, Tony G, you're welcome to come on, right? <laughs> but he is. But, you, you know, like right now, let's just worry about the job at hand, okay? And is it not a double standard, but? No, it's not. A, what, in what way? Because when Arnie speaks out about, Government funding for football. Yeah, but he did Everyone loves pre- it. No, but hang on. He did it in longer form interviews. Yeah, but he also did it in press conferences. Oh, okay. Is Arnie pining for the US women's job? Is Arnie pining for the US women's job? No. Yeah, okay. It's reported that Tony is, and that's why I'm not comfortable with it. I don't necessarily think that one influences the other. Okay, well, I do. Okay. Not that I have anything like, you know, I, I just think that there's a bit of a, I'm just concerned that that, was coming from a place that it shouldn't have. Do you know what I mean? Like using it as, hey, I'm going to use it as a negotiation chip. This is what I'm doing for you. Um, but I'm going to walk away. I'm telling the media I'm going to walk away. Shouldn't you be having that conversation with Football Australia if you're going to walk away first? Because the last time I checked, the media weren't paying his wages. No, and everything a manager does say in a press conference is you can't take it at face value. And that goes for every manager in every press conference. Well, I don't know. I, I just found it really odd. I would rather he actually sit down in a longer form interview, right? Maybe, you know, prior to the squad being announced for this series of games and say what he said rather than a press conference the day before. That's just me. And you know what? Say it afterwards as well. Do a longer, like, like a longer sit down discussion and tell us what you know and tell us what we can do to improve and what it is that you'd like to see. Because in order for you to say something about it, you've been educated or you've educated yourself on what the challenges are. And not just trying to sing from the same uh, hymn sheet as Graham Arnold going, hey, because Arnie's been in the game for here for how long? I'm not saying that what Tony said was bad. It has validity. What I'm saying to you is that I'm a bit concerned it was coming from a place where um, I'm flagging something because I'm thinking of actually, you know, I am being considered for this other role. And you know what? If I don't get my way, I'm going to use the media to actually say this to communicate this message. Look, it's it's plausible what you're saying, and I get your perspective on it. I think also you kind of want to see the post Tony G era for the Matildas anyway. Yeah, okay, I get that. So but... you might, I think you're projecting a little bit. But okay, when, look, when would the next phase be? Would it be after the Olympics or after the Asian Cup? Because I would actually say it would have to be after the Asian Cup because the Asian Cup is 2025, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. I have a feeling I may be wrong. Is that going to be in Saudi Arabia? I heard a rumor on that. No, no, I heard that. Well, actually, could be, could be. I know we're spitballing here. Mm. I did hear that um, that they that Saudi Arabia were planning to put in a bid for the twenty thirty five Women's World Cup this week. That's probably what I saw. Mm. That would make more sense. Mm. So yeah, so look, Saudi, you know, and then they've realised that they need to do something on that front as well, right? And that, that the Saudi Women's Pro League is kicked off as well. So they're definitely trying to um, to cover themselves with regards to that side of football, the women's side of football, and change the perception that's out there. There's no doubt. Yeah. 
Well, that's basically their entire MO, isn't it? Changing perspectives. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Nathan, can't disagree with you there. Hmm. But yeah, um, but you get where I'm coming from with regards to Tony. Oh, yeah, G. I do. Yeah. I do. I do. You know, I do. I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know what to make of it, really. Whether yep. it be your side of things or whether it is something to be taken at face value. Mm. I suppose time will tell. But you can say that about everything when you're talking about sports. Any sports conversation hey. can be ended with, we'll see. <laughs> ain't, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Laz, what are you looking Very forward sure. to this weekend? Uh, well, Girl Classica is on my mind. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. And look, the matches of the Derby will be interesting as well, but El Clasico is just, this El Clasico will be one to watch, I think, mm. in Barcelona. So, Amazing. So... Every year, Barcelona get bailed out by their academy. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro, Gabby in recent seasons, now it's Yamal and... Yeah, yeah. yeah crazy. I, I did see uh, an interesting statement that actually affected your club too. Well, that actually uh, highlighted mm-hmm. the success of Athletic mm. Club or Atletico Bilbao, uh, where um, so Real Madrid have got 44 ex academy players playing in the top five leagues, um, then followed by Barcelona in 40. And then, uh, but if you can work your way down the list, uh, Athletic are in seventh, seventh position with the most uh, academy players playing in the top five leagues, which is pretty good. However, even better still, in terms of Academy players playing in the first team, Lady Club are first. I think a lot of that would come from their own first team. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no, but look, that's... But yes, it is something to be proud of. It's something to be proud of. And they have to funnel a lot of their money into their academy system, partly mm. because there's not much else. Like they mm. don't really spend heaps of money on transfer fees yep. due to their club policy, of course, and they reap the benefits of that. Mm. And it's very expensive to get a player out of Athletic. Yes, it is. Very expensive. Uh, but it sometimes forces players to uh, wind their contracts down and live on a free. Yep. Like uh, Which Nico is Martinez. Down- Which is the downside. Mm. And maybe Nico Williams might be the next one to uh, follow suit. Mm. Which would be a real shame because he's such a good talent. He is. Nico Williams. He is. That is. But yeah. But they're, they're the things that are catching my eye for this weekend. And look, I'll be in, um, interested to see how the Matildas, Matildas go against the uh, Philippines. I think that'll be a really good game on Sunday night, our time. Yeah, yep. So. And for me, I say Manchester Derby, El Clasico, Matildas, the uh, PSV, Ajax game as mm, well. Mm. It'll be one to look out for. It won't be a, a cracking game, but it might be a very interesting result. That's considered the Classico, isn't it? Yes. Yes, okay. It's always a big game, be it IX, PSV yeah. or IX Final. Yeah. Um, also Syria this weekend, a couple of big yes. games. Right. Inter Roma, Napoli, Milan. Inter Roma is an interesting one, but Napoli, Milan is mm. is going to be a cracker as well. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of tasty games this weekend coming up. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, there is. Mm. Uh, no Alec women, no WSL. Nope. Because of the international window, but they'll be back next weekend. As will we, Les. Yes, indeed, Nathan. We'll be back next week on the back peg. Thanks again for your time and your company. And thanks to everyone that is listening and sharing and commenting and messaging and um, interacting with us. Yeah, we thank each and every one of you. And uh, thank you for all the feedback. And we'll speak to you next week. Take care, all. Take care, all. Enjoy the football.